0: After the Apocalypse, a Pandemic Survival Story, Season 1, Episode 10, No Friends in the Apocalypse. The old man separated a leg from the cooked rabbit with his long blade and tossed it to the big dog. Since he had crawled out of the swamp, the dog had been lying prone like a sphinx a few feet away watching the old man. The dog's large curly head rested on extended paws as his expressive brown eyes under bushy eyebrows watched intently like he was weighing the old man, assessing him in that impenetrable doggy brain. The dog sniffed at the preferred food and cocked in an inquisitive glance at the old man, one eyebrow raised. Go ahead, the old man said. It ain't filet mignon from a five star, but it will keep you going. The old man tore a bit off for himself and stuck it in his mouth, chewing hopefully. See? Yummy. The old man lied, making yummy noises and rubbing his belly in pantomime as he chewed the tough meat. Mmm, tastes like chicken, he continued, winking at the dog. The dog continued to look at him intently. "'It's the least I can do after you've probably saved my life. Go ahead, eat up. My treat!' The dog cocked his head. "'Don't worry, you can get the next one,' the old man grinned. The dog seemed to make a decision. It army-crawled forward and delicately took the rabbit leg into his mouth. Thoughtfully, the dog held the bone down with his paws pulled small pieces off and swallowed them without much chewing. You're a strange one, the old man spoke directly to the dog. Here you come tearing into a pack like a berserker, but you eat like a Sunday tea. The old man wondered about this dog as they both ate in silence. What was this dog's story? Where did he come from? The dog looked healthy enough, seemed to be well cared for. "'unlike those pharaoh mutts that tried to tear him apart in the swamp. "'Did it really make any difference to the old man? "'This dying world was full of castoffs and vagabonds, "'unhinged from the old world, "'disconnected and floating like trash in new dark currents. "'He gestured to the dog. "'Live and let live, that's what I say. "'Not that the old man had anything left to live for. "'His family was gone.' except for one son that hadn't been accounted for. It was ironic. The old man had never been involved much in his kids' lives. That was his wife's job, he had thought. His job was to be the famous doctor. It wasn't until he had lost everything that he had gotten to know his youngest son, Paul. It's funny how that works. They had come together at the end. Paul had taken those first shaky steps with an olive branch across the family divide, fraught with tears and recrimination. Now, the old man felt he owed Paul this resolution. That was the last thing on the old man's to-do list before he could crawl into the big pile of bones and let it all go. He was tired. He was done with this world. He had this one last thing to do. Then he was done. He didn't need a dog, and he didn't need a friend. It was too late to build new bonds in this dead world. The old man breathed deeply inside. To hell with it, he muttered, as if to put a period at the end of a summary paragraph. Just keep moving. He gnawed at the last bits of rabbit until there was nothing but bones. He tossed the bones to the dog, stood up and wiped his hands on his shorts. To hell with it. He felt the bite on his ankle when he stood. It could have been much worse. Annoying, but nothing career-ending. The attacking dog had gotten mostly sock. The old man put out the fire with some swamp water and began to collect his things. The dog was still sitting sphinx-like, watching him with one cocked eyebrow. The man checked his pack, adjusted some things to make sure it wouldn't bounce too much or rub the wrong way. He didn't need any raw skin that could potentially lead to infection. He hoisted the pack onto his shoulders and shrugged it into place. The dog stood up now, too, with an alert bearing of anticipation, as if ready for some further action on the old man's part. The old man reached down and scratched the curly head behind his ears. "'Okay, buddy. Thanks again for the help. I'm moving on now. Got one last thing to do. Heading west.' It was here that the old man noticed, for the first time, the big dog's collar. A black nylon affair with a couple of tags on it that jangled a bit when he scratched under the dog's chin beard. He knelt on one knee-to-eye level with the dog. Let's see what we got here. One of the tags was a rabies tag. Good to know you're up to date with your vaccinations, buddy. The next tag was something you might make in one of those penny arcade machines. It had an ornate B on it. The old man considered this. Okay, B, I gotta go. Been a slice of heaven. You stay safe. With this, the old man began trotting down the dirt road and heading west. He fell into his easy trot and looked up at the sky. The weather looked clear and there were a few more hours of sun. He should be able to get another ten miles or so today. The weather had been getting colder at night he'd need to find some long pants and a winter jacket, maybe even a sleeping bag, although he hated to carry too much stuff. He knew the weather could turn fast in these parts, and freezing to death would be just too ironic to let happen. Lost in thought, the old man didn't notice the rhythmic drumbeat of the dog's trot behind him. The dog fell in behind him for a few paces and then moved out like a picket. It took a position about three yards ahead of the old man, and Paced him, scanning ahead and pausing to look back every once in a while. Okay, B, it's a free country. I can't stop you from running down this road with me, but I don't need a dog. The old man shouted definitively in the dog's direction. The dog did not respond. Feeling the matter of not needing companionship resolved, the old man resettled into his trot. You're a decent runner, B. That's a good skill to have in the apocalypse. "'What's the B stand for, anyway?' the old man asked. "'Bart?' The dog did not respond. "'Bob?' <clears throat> "'Buddy?' "'Boxcar Willie?' "'Ben?' "'Blake?' "'Brad?' No response from the dog. "'What would you call a dog like this?' He was a biggish dog, some sort of wolf-hound mix, maybe. He had a large head, short curly hair, and a feathery tail with a bit of insolent kink upward." that gave an impression of dandiness when he trotted. He was obviously a good athlete, not bouncy or frenetic like a sheepdog, but strong, reserved, and powerful when he needed to be. "'I know,' the old man smiled, warming to his game and secretly glad for the company. "'You're one of those pampered dogs, with a gold dog bowl and ribbons in your hair at the country club. Your name is Baby. Baby!' The old man drawled out the syllables mockingly. Still no response. They trotted along in silence. The old man lost in thought. What was the name of that guy in California he knew? The the surfer? Bill, the old man blurted as the memory popped out from the dust of his brain. The dog's ears perked up, and he turned to look at the man. Bill, the old man repeated, testing. The dog responded with a look that said, plain as day. What? Well, Bill the dog, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. They continued to trot down the dirt road, west, man and dog. Man talking and telling stories, dog listening and staying alert for danger. The old man was starting to worry. This dog seemed to want to hang around. It wasn't that he didn't like dogs. He liked dogs. That wasn't the point. He even liked this dog more than most. The dog had probably saved his life. The question was, did he really need a dog in his life right now? How was he going to keep this big boy fed? Could this dog even keep up with him? Would it bark and attract attention at the worst possible moment and get him killed? Bottom line here was the old man wasn't looking for any new friends in the apocalypse. That's how you made bad decisions and got yourself killed. About 20 minutes into the run, there was a fork in the road, and the old man chose the road on the right. Bill the dog quickly flanked out in front of the old man, blocking his way and barking. Listen, dog, I'm going this way. If you want to come, fine, but get out of my way. Bill the dog would have none of it. Even when the old man tried to go around, Bill would move to block. The old man stopped to consider this. Was this dog just crazy? But he had to consider the fact that this dog had already saved his life once. As the old man thought and took a drink, Bill the dog took a few steps down the other fork and circled, looking at the old man and barking. Really, Bill? the old man asked. I get it. You want me to go that way. But shouldn't a human with a big prefrontal cortex be making these kind of decisions for himself? Did it really matter? The old man resigned himself to the dog's directions. Okay, Bill, I'll play along this time, but don't think it sets a precedent. Either of these roads were heading west dish, and with a sigh, he acquiesced. Let's go. Bill trotted ahead with a bit more urgency now. The old man scanned the tree line with some alertness himself, wondering what had gotten into this dog. It wasn't more than a couple hundred yards more down the dirt road that a low ranch house came into view. The old man slowed. He wanted nothing to do with other humans right now. His experience had not been great with what was left of them in the apocalypse. Bill the dog, however, was growing more agitated and excited as they got close. This was apparently where he was leading the old man. The old man wasn't sure about this. He hadn't wanted a new friend, and he didn't like the idea of being led into trouble by a dog he had just met. Was this some sort of a weird trap? Hey, Bill, the old man said to get the dog's attention. Not for nothing, but I'm not sure about this. The old man reached over his shoulder for the crossbow. Bill gave him a concerned look. The house was a small ranch-style house with moss on the roof shingles. In the dirt driveway, there was a van parked under a metal awning that slanted down from the house. The house didn't look particularly well kept or even lived in. There was a long wooden handicap access ramp with two by four railings that wrapped up to a farmer's porch along the front, like something added as an afterthought. The old man uh, approached cautiously. Bill, the dog, led the way, head low and whining a bit now. The old man made his way up the ramp to the porch in the front door. He cautiously knocked on the door frame. Hello anybody in there? And looking back at Bill, adding, I brought your dog. There was no response. Bill, the dog, pushed the old man out of the way and grabbed a knotted rope that hung from the door handle in his mouth. The old man watched as Bill pulled the outer door open, then jumped up and landed with some force in the inner door, which was ajar, popping it open. Bill disappeared into the house. Okay, Bill, I guess you live here. The old man entered cautiously behind the dog. It was an open floor plan with an old couch in the big living room area. There was a small wood-burning stove with a stack of split wood, but no heat came from it. An American flag hung on the opposite wall. A framed picture of a young soldier was on the side table. As his eyes adjusted to the dim lighting, the old man could see a figure in a wheelchair by the sink in the kitchen area. Bill was at the chair, licking a dangling hand. "'Mister, you okay?' the old man asked tentatively. "'I'm sorry to come in, but the dog, Bill, he kind of led me here and opened the door.' Silence. Bill, the dog, whined low and urgent. The old man walked slowly to the kitchen area and looked down at the man. The man in the chair was maybe in his mid thirties. It was hard to tell because he had extensive scarring on one side of his face. The old man did not recoil in horror. He had seen his share of broken and scarred bodies. He had seen plenty of this overseas. The malignant hand of war had reached out to touch this soldier sometime in the last few years, probably an IED. Blew him up, left him scarred and broken in his house alone with his agonies and regrets. The old man reached out to feel for a pulse. There was none. There were signs of the virus, his face and lips bluish from lack of oxygen, the dried blood and mucus on his shirt. How had the disease found him way out here? Maybe some do-gooder social worker. But it had found him, like it had found so many, and now he was gone. Bill whined questioningly, back feet dancing on the linoleum with nervous energy. Sorry, buddy, the old man said softly. He's gone. The man in the chair had not been gone long, maybe five or six hours. Maybe while Bill was chasing off those other dogs, this man had drawn his last fruitless breath. The old man reached out to stroke the shaggy head of the dog. He took his pack off and slouched down against the cabinet, pulling the dog's head into an embrace. Dim afternoon light filtered through the pine trees and laid a yellowish-white square on the scene. "'I'm sorry, Bill,' the old man said, burying his face into the big dog's neck and hugging Bill in. "'It sucks to lose family, I know.' The old man held Bill like this for several long seconds feeling the dog's loss in the embrace. "'It'll be okay. "'You're still here. "'It'll be okay.' The old man pulled back and peered into those sad brown eyes. "'You've got me now. "'It'll be okay.' Post your free job on linkedin.com
2: slash achieve today. Hello, my apocalypse surviving friends. This is Chris, your producer. We've gotten up to episode 10, and you should be starting to feel the story tone and the story arc coming together. Like I said last week, Bill, the dog, is my favorite character, but I'm a dog guy. And there's a lot of apocalypse movies, if you think about it, with dogs in them. I think it's probably so the main character has someone to talk to. Having a dog gives you that opportunity to work in some dialogue into that sole survivor situation. And there's actually a post apocalyptic novel called A Boy and His Dog from 1969, made into a movie in 1975. I have not read it, but I am familiar with the author, Harlan Ellison, who, he was a real character. A lot of these science fiction guys are, (laughs) for some reason. He was an accomplished science fiction writer. I, I have listened to one of his other famous pieces called, I Have No Mouth, and I Must Scream, and both of those are apocalyptic Uh, worlds. The post-apocalyptic genre relies on a number of different ways for the world to end. Most of these worlds in our lifetime were based on nuclear war endgames, because those writers' lives, they were just filled with the Cold War. Of course, there's always a killing pandemic, like in our universe, And there are other subtler things that bring the world to an end. There are aliens, either big scary monsters like in the War of the Worlds or alien microbes that take over people like in Revenge of the Body Snatchers or Night of the Triffids. I just listened to one where the alien microbes took over all the wild animals, and then the wild animals killed off all the humans. So that was an interesting twist. There are extraterrestrial events, like the sun-going supernova, or a meteor shower, or the, the moon breaking up, like in the recent Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson, which I did read. But a more common end of the world these days is environmental disaster. Because that's, that's what we're living in. That's the zeitgeist right now. I did watch a movie that is not from a previous century last week. Yes, I did. And of course, it was a post-apocalyptic movie. It was called Love and Monsters, starring Dylan O'Brien. And I won't give any spoilers, but the the pitch for this movie was a post apocalyptic road movie in the vein of Mad Max and Zombieland with a John Hughes-esque love story. That was the pitch. And we all love a good pitch. But now, to counter that pitch, I will quote a review by Jessica Kiang of Variety that I feel is fairly accurate. A silly but satisfying hero's journey entirely unencumbered by importance. Ha <laughs> Uh, uh, to be a review writer that got me thinking just now what would be the pitch for our little story here right you and i put our suits on and stand up in the boardroom of a big hollywood executor what would our pitch be huh old man in the apocalypse i don't know doesn't sound very compelling need some uh, naked women in car crashes so send me your answers send me your pitch we'll uh we'll go pitch it together I'm settling in on a once-every-two-week schedule, and the show will drop every other Sunday. So you can count on that. You can calendar that for your listening pleasure. We've got over a thousand listeners now. Shout out to our apocalypse-surviving friends in the United States, Canada, the UK, Australia, Sweden, Spain, New Zealand... Belgium, Bahamas, India, Brazil, Germany, Ireland, Malaysia, and Vietnam. Welcome. You know who you are. Reach out to me and say hi at C-Y-K-T Russell. That's Chris, Yellow, King, Tom, Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L, two S's, two L's, at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. And I will take any suggestions you have that could make the show better for all of us. If you like the show, I can use your support. Like it on iTunes, write a review, forward it to a friend. That's how we build our tribe, our global tribe of survivors. And I have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash after the apocalypse, all one word. I post the full episode scripts out there, and you can talk to me directly directly. I would appreciate any financial support you can lend me so I can keep paying Robert for his excellent audio reads. And that's all I got for you this week. Stay safe, reach out and say hi, and as always, keep surviving.